Hey, OM Podcast listeners, Reverend Andrew Suit, I am not. Andrew has been appointed to First United Methodist Church, Mishawaka in Indiana to serve as lead pastor as of July 1st. Many of you know that he is not a native Arkansan and has asked to move closer to home. And both bishops and cabinets of the Arkansas and Indiana conferences were gracious enough in his request. So off he goes on a new ministry adventure. Maybe Andrew can bring the youth of his new church to OMP some summer in the near future. As he's preparing to move, Andrew felt it was time to step back from the OM podcast. So I am your new podcast host, Karen Anderson. I've been involved in OMP for many years, first as an adult camper, and uh, where I took a handful of middle school girls to a high school camp in Camden. I was totally hooked after that first experience, and I wanted to know how to bring OMP to my church in Rogers, where I was the director of Christian education. Well, I've been directing the Rogers camp ever since, and now I'm also the project manager for OMP. Well, my first OM podcast guest is Christy Crawford. So come along with me and find out who she is, what she does, where she draws the line in ministry, and if she ever got out of that cornfield. Well, hey, Christy, we are so happy that you decided to join us on the OM podcast today. Uh, But before we really get into our conversation deeply, tell us what you find yourself doing professionally right now. All right. Well, I am Christy Crawford. I am the Minister to Youth, Children, and Families at uh, Cornerstone United Methodist Church in Jonesboro. And I I like to call myself a a Jill of all trades. Any given day, you might find me uh, working alongside our youth and kiddos and their families or writing curriculum or cleaning the nursery. I also create our worship videos and Google how to t- uh, solve some tech issues and problem solve on the on the go during worship and pretty much anything that anything I, I need to do to help my church keep rolling. And um, and then in addition to all of that, my one of my favorite parts of my job is hanging out in the communities where my kids are. So whether that takes me to a lip sync battle during HOCO week with my seniors or to a gymnastics meet or karate tournament on the weekend. Being on staff at a church before, you do tend to to cross-train all the jobs, you know. <laughs> For you, sure. You, you end For up sure. in the sound booth, and you end up in, you know, teaching adult discipleship stuff, and you end up doing all <laughs> kinds of things. Cleaning toilets. Absolutely. Cl- cleaning Absolutely. up vomit on a Sunday morning. You never know what you're going to oh, do. No, I draw so, the well, line at vomit. I, I, I draw the line at vomit. I'm a sympathy puker, so I can't do vomit. Okay. Well, so how did you find yourself doing this as a career? Well, actually... Um, I felt called to ministry um, at an OMP camp when I was uh, the summer before my senior year in high school. So I, you know, did did steps to kind of lean into that call. But, you know, I met a neighbor that week that was back in 1998, um, and she just was incredible, um, start to finish. She was great, but that camp was was funny for me because, um, you know, that camp didn't start out the way I had hoped it would. Uh, I well, so how did you how did you hope that it was going to start? Oh well, you know, I had that that was about my fourth or no, it was about my fourth OMP camp at that point. So I kind of knew the how, how the week at camp worked, you know, and so I was really excited. 
and super pumped. And then I showed up at my church that morning that we were getting ready to leave. It was Sunday morning and we were getting ready to load up. And I looked around and I realized that I, in my busy summer schedule, had signed up for the camp that all of my church's eighth graders were going to. And so it was it was me and none of my friends going to camp. And so, you know, in that moment, I still wasn't that worried about it because I thought, okay, I'm going to get to camp. I'm still pumped because when I get to camp, I'm going to be surrounded by people my own age and it's all going to be okay. Um, but then I got to camp and my youth minister had signed me up to be in a cabin with all these eighth graders from church. And I was so mad. I was livid. I pouted. And I can remember my youth minister's words as if he said them yesterday. Um, you know, he, he looked at me. I was, I was, I was so ticked. And he said, Christy, look, take a few minutes to calm down, collect yourself. You can sit here as long as you need to, but then you need to get up and go do the right thing because these girls need you. I would venture a guess though, that that's probably not the first leadership role that maybe you got put into that you weren't particularly excited about because just from from the little I know about you, I think that you probably have leadership as one of your spiritual gifts. Oh, for sure. But you know, it's it's that it's it's when someone says you need to go do the right thing that that it really it really gets on your nerves when you don't really want to do the right thing, you know. But but then they've said it, so now you have to think about it. Um, and so I sat there for a bit and. Uh, it was Bear Creek Camp, and I don't know if you know where that is, but uh, Mariana, Arkansas is kind of the, the home and breeding ground of mosquitoes. Yep, and so yep. I was a red-hot mess of sweat and tears and mosquito bites, and I realized I didn't have any other options. I mean, it wasn't like Carlton was going to drive me home, um, you know, so I, my option was to huff off to Cabin 7 and lo and behold, the first thing that I encountered was this outpouring of junior high grace. Man, these kids, like I had one of them was like, welcome to Cabin 7, Christy. Like she was so excited. And I just remember thinking, oh, man, I have been a jerk. And this other kid was like, man, we are so glad you're in our cabin. Like they had, I'd never been in a cabin with these kids before. I'd never even taken time to get to know them. And one, they saved me the bunk by the electrical outlet. And now these days, that would be a lot more important because everybody right. has cell phones. But back then, they literally had saved me that bunk so that my hairdryer would have an outlet. Um, you know, and then couple that with a neighbor I still talk about 20 plus years later. And it was kind of as if God had crafted this week at camp just specifically to show me gifts that I'd never even knew I had. Um, so it was at breakfast that Friday morning at camp that I told my youth minister, I felt like God was calling me to ministry. Um, but, you know, I told I told my youth minister my heart was weird and tingly and, and all of that. And I guess that was my heart strangely warmed moment um, for, for the diehard Methodists in the crowd. But, uh, right. you know, being on college staff uh, was what actually solidified my call to ministry and specifically to youth ministry. That's where um, it just felt so incredibly right. And that OMP worship was the you know, as a college staffer was the first chance I, I had an opportunity to preach for the first time. And um, just a lot of the things that I was doing with teenagers that week, even though I was, you know, young and literally 20, um, wasn't that far removed from being a teenager. But uh, over and over and over again that summer, God showed me that, that youth ministry was where I needed to be, where I was called to be.
um, you know, after college graduation, I, I accepted my first full-time youth ministry job and remained at that church for a couple of years. And then I took a about a decade-long break from full-time ministry. Um, and while while I was taking that break, I did a little bit of journalism. I was a communications director for a an office at a university. I did all kinds of things. Um, and that whole time, I continued to pour myself into whatever volunteer roles I could find um, at the church, both children and youth. And it never felt like enough. Um, I loved every minute of it. It just never felt like enough. It felt like I was missing something. And so it's actually kind of funny. OMP is how I got back into youth ministry again. Um, I, I took a, I had the opportunity to take a group of junior high kiddos um, to OMP uh, in Pine Bluff in 2017. Um, and it, it sort of reignited my, my pursuit of my calling. I, you know, I, I've told people and I, and I continue to tell people OMP for me has always been my mountaintop. It's, it's that place I can go to recharge my soul or for the work that's in the valley, you know, there's something to be said for those mountaintop experiences, but a few months after that 2017 OMP camp at Pine Bluff, I was offered the chance of a lifetime, and it was my chance to dive right back into to full-time ministry here at Cornerstone. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I've told people for the last four years that I've been here, um, it's for the first time in my adult life, I feel like I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Um, and that's just an incredible feeling. But um, all of that is because of OMP. I mean, obviously, I, I found my calling at, at OMP twice uh, and and then um, followed it again, followed it anew um, a decade later, have not experienced something quite that unique outside of OMP. All the life-changing moments that OMP has provided, not only me, but I'm also grateful for the transformative moments I know that OMP has provided for countless others. I mean, I hear those stories from, from not only my youth that I have now, but, but kids that I had a decade ago. And, and then beyond that, you know, I talk to fellow youth ministers that have had the same experiences or um, pastors that have had the same experience or similar experiences. And it's just, it's almost like OMP has found that perfect combination of worship and fellowship and play and work that just, syncs up and makes a week of perfection. And I don't, I don't know how else to describe that. Uh, that sounds like something that we need to like put in quotes and put on pamphlets. I think that that, uh, <laughs> that, that is the perfect definition of what OMP is, at least for me and my experience experience as well. Yeah, like, that's yeah. a perfect, a perfect way to put it. So what um, you talked about one neighbor that specifically made an impact on you. Can you share a little bit okay. about that neighbor experience? Oh yeah, so Miss Cargill, um, she was that neighbor at at Bear Creek in 1998 that just meant the world to me, and I know that she meant the world to other people. But she was just something special. Now the job itself was special too. I don't. I think it's probably a one of a kind OMP job that, like, if you talk to a thousand kids that have been to OMP, you wouldn't find but five of us who have done this. Um, we built a prayer room onto the side of her house. So wow. we literally built a whole room complete with a Bible stand and kneeling rails in this lady's house. Now, Miss Cargill had this debilitating arthritis that kept her bound to 
either the hospital bed that was in her living room or her wheelchair, and she could kind of get around otherwise, but she would have to crawl to do that. Um, but every day in the summer, she hosted neighborhood kiddos for what she called VBS, which was not our version of VBS, but it was right. a few hours of Bible stories that she had handwritten for these kiddos, Kool-Aid, cookies, and lots of love. And she had pictures of these kids all over her living room as if they were her own children or grandchildren. And she talked about all the things that they did for fun, their hobbies, you know, what they loved about school, what they didn't love about school. And she had been a school teacher before she had uh, become disabled. And she told us that she needed the company and the kids needed Jesus. And so she felt like God had put them together for a reason. And so we worked for her for three days. And in that time, she wanted, when she found out about neighbor night, and we had not really talked about neighbor night much with her because we knew it was going to be a challenge to get her there. Uh, but she found out about neighbor night, and she wanted to go so bad. So she told us that she wanted to express her gratitude, not just for OMP, but for the work that was being done throughout her community. And she was just so glad, not just for the stuff that we were doing at her house, but for things that she knew were happening in other people's houses throughout the community. And so we decided that we would try to make it happen for her. So she needed help getting ready. Um, my, myself and one of my uh, OMP sibs, um, we were the only girls in the group. So we went and we helped her uh, get ready. We dressed her. We got her, got her good to go. And um, she needed help getting in the van. And, so I and another um, family group member literally carried her to our church van. And she, while we were doing that, she rubbed her hand across my face. And she said, child, don't you ever forget you were blessed to be a blessing. Aww. Uh, you know, and I, it was her words and her vulnerability in that moment that affected me most. Um, when we finished her prayer room, though, she got out of her bed and she literally crawled uh, to that new prayer room and she, she prayed this incredibly authentic prayer, thanking God for life and for breath and for each of us by name. And, you know, she, she literally uh, pulled herself up using the rail that we had built. She pulled herself up to be eye level with each of us so that she could lay hands on us. And it was just, a moment unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Um, you know, she, it was a lot of work for her to, to, to be able to do that. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny to me now. It's not uh, funny is maybe not the right word, but that's not even the story, the part of the story that, that really keeps me going. And the, the reason that I, I remember her so much is that you know, she was relatively young by OMP neighbor standards. She was only 57. So to have arthritis as bad as she did, not able to walk, struggling to write, she just couldn't do so many of the things that I know she still wanted to be able to do as a relatively young woman. I mean, she was a 57. The older I get, the younger 57 seems. Um, right. You know, but she never once complained about her situation or her struggles. Instead, she literally used every minute she had to serve God by loving others well. Um, you know, it was the handwritten Bible studies that she shared with us, even though I know it had to be painful for her to write, a, write it all down. But she literally invited us to experience 
Jesus in the form of this broken but beautiful woman. And, you know, I didn't know how much I needed her experience, her example of grit and of love and selflessness. But it was as if like every hardship thrown her way kept her pushing and praising God even more. Um, and, and it wasn't until I started having my own medical issues that, that kind of robbed me of a lot of mobility um, and activities that I'd enjoyed. Uh, you know, I've not, not to get super detailed about that because that's not what this is about, but after having 23 surgeries and more procedures than I can count, you know, I, I needed Mrs. Cargill's example. She's what 40-year-old me that needed that 17-year-old me couldn't have imagined or wouldn't have wanted to imagine. Um, and, and then I realized I could be like Miss Cargill, too. I could use every day to praise God for the opportunities I've been given to serve. Um, and right. so, I, you know, it's that that's the beauty of OMP. And that's probably my favorite thing about OMP is that it extends far beyond just that week at camp. You know, it, it impacts lives for, for years, almost like jumping off a springboard, making those ripples and those waves that carry into other areas of our lives. I, I mean, I didn't start thinking about her again um, in great detail until I was, you know, in my 30s and going through shoulder surgery after shoulder surgery. And I found one of my old scrapbooks that had her story in it. And, you know, I thought through that and, and thought about that and you know, back in back in '98, I had the the privilege of teenage blinders. I, I had no idea how much she was going to change my life, even if it was just a couple of decades later. Um, and I just am ever grateful for for her and for OMP for bringing us together. But it was just like I said, that week literally was as if God had had crafted the whole week specifically for me. And I know that that is probably not entirely accurate. But I do know that God works through all of the experiences that, that we have. And so so I have no doubt that God is that big. <laughs> you know. Right. Well, you know, we um we all go into O and P mission experiences thinking about what we can give to our neighbor and what we can do for our neighbor. And usually it's on the back end that we realize sure. that, that our neighbor impacts us so much more than possibly oh, yeah. we did them and you know it all if this was this was the same camp where you really felt you were being called into ministry and man yeah. like she touched your faith that to me sounds almost like a holy anointing it 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 felt like that too I, I think it's funny you know I've talked to Bailey about this before too I I think it's hilarious that so many times we're shocked by our neighbor's great big faith like we think that you, you can't possibly have this incredible faith if you're, you know, broke, broken or sick. And man, it can't be further from the truth. Some of my neighbors through the years, and you know, I've been to 35 OMP camps. Some of my neighbors over the course of those 35 camps have had some of the strongest faith of anybody I've ever seen. And, and, you know, you, you anticipate that, well, that can't possibly be true. Um, you know, you, you literally have nothing. How can you, how in the world do you have faith? But it's it's out of that nothing that so much beauty. I, I it's just incredible. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of life changing to experience that for the first time. And I think that some of the kids, it's it's the first time that that they see the face behind poverty, um, and it changes their their perception of the word. Even uh, I had a kid a couple of years ago that had literally never seen. Um, 
anything like what, what his neighbor was experiencing, even though it was literally right down the road. I mean, we were, we were at the, at the cornerstone camp um, working in Jonesboro and it was literally right down the road from where he lived. And he didn't have that experience of seeing that until ONP brought him face to face with it. And it completely changed his life. And I think that that's, that's something that OMP offers that a lot of, a lot of camps just don't. Right. I think that they get to see our neighbors who have had everything stripped away and all they have left is faith. Their faith becomes so large, so large. So tell me um, what makes you feel inspired about Ozark Mission Project? Oh goodness. Well, (laughs) A lot. And, and as a camper, it was the neighbor's stories. And obviously, I mean, you know, I've just spent a good bit of time talking about one neighbor in particular, but every neighbor has a story to tell. Um, and so it was always the neighbor's stories that, that w- was inspiring to me. But as an adult, and particularly as a youth minister, the thing that keeps me bringing kids back year after year is just the potential for transformation. Uh, something big and mysterious happens at OMP. And I said this earlier, but it's it's as if OMP has figured out this perfect combination of work and worship and play and fellowship, and it engages all five senses perfectly and lets kids be fully alive as the children of God that God created them to be. Um, they learn, they grow, they do things and see things for the first time, and it's just life-changing. There's not a, another way to say it. Um, and so for me, that's that is always inspiring. OMP is where I got my first up close and personal experience with this raw Jesus, um, the one that kind of expects us to be an extension of his love out in our world. It's empowering to be a teenager and trusted to not only um, do some work, but build a wheelchair ramp that this family is expected to use. Uh, That's incredibly empowering for a kid. I don't know I mean, I remember being that kid, and I remember thinking, there is absolutely no way that we can do this. Um, and there's something incredibly cool about moving that can't into a, we did it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you absolutely. Get, get to that house on that first day of the project, and you're like, oh, whoa, no, I can, we cannot build a 40 foot ramp. That is not happening. And then, you know, just a couple of days later, you're standing there at the foot of that 40-foot ramp watching your neighbor roll down that ramp and thinking, man, we did this. And it, it's a gift. Um, and I think that it also, for me as that kid, it helped me put faith into perspective. You know, a lot of times when you when you read these Bible stories and you read that um, God makes impossible things possible, um you know, for me, it was that experience of seeing an impossibility in front of me, but then it turning into a possibility that helped give life to those stories so that it wasn't just, okay, God can do this, but not for me. It's only for these people that are in the Bible. It, it's as if OMP lets those stories jump off the page into your own life. I love that. I love that. So um, what... Um, what is what do you wish that I asked you that I didn't ask you? What do you want to tell us that we didn't get to hear? 
Oh, goodness. Well, I, so I need to tell you about both my favorite OMP memory and my funniest OMP memory. So there's there's two okay. of them that I think uh, are, are kind of my favorite stories that I, I have from OMP. So, so my favorite camp memory was, uh, well, somewhere near the top. I mean, obviously, OMP worship can't be beat. But, but if we're talking about, like, my absolute favorite camp memory, it was, happened when I was on college staff back in 2001. You know, this, this is before GPS and before Siri and before any of those helpful phone hacks to find directions. And so we were at Psalms Camp in Kingsland, Arkansas. And so I don't know if you know where that is. But for, for if you don't, uh, Kingsland, Arkansas is surrounded by lots of nothing, nothingness. There's, it's just, uh, no matter where your project is at that Psalms camp, your, your work was going to be miles away. You might be in Fordyce, you might be in Warren, you might be in Kingsland, but you're going to be driving. And so I was looking, I was out project hunting, and I got lost. I mean, like, we still used atlases and maps, and I couldn't find where I was on any sort of map. And I was so, so lost. And I got so frustrated that I, sat, I, I pulled over on the side of the road, a uh, little state highway, and I was bawling. I was crying. I didn't have any cell reception where I was, and so I was, I was looking for cell reception. I finally got a, a couple of bars, and I called our camp director. And I'm crying, of course, on the phone. And he's like, okay, well, what do you see all around you? And I'm like, Marty, all I see all around me are cornfields. Literally, there's nothing but cornfields at every direction. And and Marty, bless his heart, was like so, I guess, patient. But he was like, Christy, have, have you prayed yet? And I remember being so infuriated by that question. Like, listen, I didn't ask you to tell me to pray. I asked you where I was. And he's like, look, I have no idea where you are. You're describing cornfields that could be anywhere. And he's like, I need you to hang up, and I need you to ask the only one who can help you find your way. And I was like, great, thanks for your help. And so I hang up, and I pray probably the whiniest prayer that I think I've ever prayed in my whole life. And, you know, it kind of went something like this. Okay, please, God, I know I know you can do anything. Okay, then do it. I need a sign. I need you to give me a sign right now. I am lost. I'm begging you. I need a literal sign, something to show me where to go from here. And listen, I I say my amen, I look up, and there's this summer breeze that knocks a branch out of a tree. It was a loose branch anyway, but it falls to the ground, and there is a literal sign standing where that branch had been blocking it, and it said, Hope 7. So I was literally seven miles from Hope, which both is the small town in Arkansas, and then also um, hope for the way to get back to camp and a renewed spirit. And, you know, I know that I'm not always going to get literal signs, <laughs> but in that moment, God felt so incredibly big, like big enough to show off by sending me a literal sign. Um, and so I, I tell that story a lot because I think it's funny, but you know, I whiny beggy Christy, um, begs for a sign and then God pops a, a road sign by the, by the side of the road. God didn't pop the sign by the side of the road, but you know what I mean. It was it was right. just uh, pretty awesome. Tell me where our listeners can find you online. Yeah, so I'm pretty easy to find. I am just Christy Crawford on literally every so, every social media thing that I have. So uh, Christy Crawford on Facebook and Instagram, and then if you need to reach me by email, 
Uh, you could hit me up at familyminister at cornerstoneumc.net. You're Christy with a C-H, and it ends in an I. Is that correct? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it, it is C-H-R-I-S-T-I. Okay. All right. So here's here's my, my last question for you. Uh, one of our recent neighbors, we had a college breakaway, which I think that you were on that trip. Um, our neighbor, okay. Jamie, who we were building a wheelchair ramp for, um, told us how important it is to make time to give time. So where do you find yourself giving of your time these days? Yeah, you know, I was also touched by by Jamie's story and that quotable piece of awesomeness that he left us with. And, you know, I've thought about it a lot since that trip. And um, in my time away from church, of course, I devote myself to the OMP program committee and uh, with the design team. And, you know, I've also recently kind of hopped on board with the OMP 101 committee. But in thinking through the sentiment behind that, behind the make time to give time, I've decided that it's kind of also in those everyday moments of my church kids lives that I get to make time to give time it's in deciding to drive a half hour to watch one of my second graders compete in a gymnastics meet it's in taking a short lunchtime road trip to watch some of my seniors do a lip sync battle at lunch during homecoming week it's um, it's making myself available to my kiddos outside the four walls of the church and outside the constructs of church schedules. I know, you know, church life can be real busy, and I know if you work in a church, you, you understand that in a different way. Um, but really making myself available outside those typical hours and those typical buildings um, is, is a way that I like to make time to give time. And I feel like that is, um, it does a lot for building relationships, and that's something else that I learned the importance of it at, at Ozark Mission Project. It's not just building ramps, it's building relationships. And so I think that's, that's kind of where I, I like to make time to give time. Awesome. Very good. Well, Christy, I appreciate you so much coming and spending some time with me today to talk to our OM podcast yeah. listeners about the importance of OMP and how important it is to, to just be open to uh, what can possibly happen at camp and how, in your case, and, and I think in most people's cases, it can make a, a lasting lifetime difference on their, your spiritual journey. And I appreciate the time that you spent with me today. Thank you. This was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you for being my first guest. I appreciate you. I was really struck when Christy said, OMP has figured out a perfect combination of work and worship and play and fellowship that engages all five senses perfectly, which creates the potential for transformation. And I think that's not just in our youth, but in our adults and in our leadership teams and in our college staff and in our communities. So thank you, Christy, for sharing your OMP experiences with us today.